Every four years in my Bible class at St. Andrew's Academy, I invite a series of guests to class from different Christian traditions to talk about the sacraments, or ordinances, so-called sometimes. During the last decade, Father Innocent from the monastery down the hill at Manton has come to speak to us of the Eastern Orthodox view of the sacraments. He wanted to lay the background for the sacramental teaching of the Orthodox Church and did so, and the background was reasonably familiar to my students, and I think you will find that it rings bells with you too as Anglicans. He noted that the human born into the sinful world and life is sick with sin. There is a blindness that disables the human from seeing God as he is. This sickness must be healed, of course, and the place of healing is a hospital that we call the church. The great physician is, of course, in charge of the hospital, but there are other healers there to do the day-to-day work. And there are various levels of healers. The course of treatment, <coughs> excuse me, the course of treatment for the cure of the disease of sin is very old and has been used for centuries. In the East, they have a few other names for this course of treatment, but in the West, we name it purgation, illumination, and union. The purging of sin is where we must start. We must ask for the Holy Spirit's illumination in our lives so that we might see the logs in our own eyes before we try to help someone else get the speck out of theirs. We seek to be at one with Christ through the Spirit and thus to be at one with the Father. Purgation, illumination, union. We saw the beginning of this life of faith in little Oliver this morning. He had his, thank you, on cue. He had his sins purged at his baptism. And please note that it was not by works of righteousness that Oliver has done. He couldn't even crawl his way to the font, could he? And I'm not even sure what works of righteousness in an infant would look like. But it was according to God's mercy that Oliver was saved by God through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out just this morning on Oliver. Those, of course, are the words of St. Paul to Titus. Oliver's sins and the sickness and death of sin were purged because he was washed In the new birth. In baptism we are washed of our sins and we are born again. St. Peter says it this way in his first epistle. Baptism now rescues you. Peter re-emphasizes St. Paul's words. 
the removing, excuse me, the renewing of the Holy Spirit, when he tells us in Acts chapter 2 that Oliver has been given the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, says St. Peter in the end of his sermon, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises to you and to your children. Oliver through this baptism this morning, has union with Christ because he has been incorporated into Christ himself. And as I teach my students, incorporation comes from the Latin root corpus, which means body, being embodied into the church, into Christ. He is now a part of Christ's body. Seeing now, dearly beloved brethren, says the prayer book, that this child is regenerated, born again, and grafted into the body of Christ's church. So this morning, Oliver was purged, illuminated, and has union with Christ, the threefold pattern of moving towards God in our lives. We all started this way in our baptism, but sin trips us up along the way, doesn't it? Here a brief compilation of the prayers for Oliver from earlier this morning. But remember that these prayers are for all of us at our baptism, implied for some of us who didn't have them prayed, like myself. We yield thee hearty thanks, most merciful Father, that it hath pleased thee to regenerate this child, born again, right, um, with the Holy Spirit, to receive him for thine own child, to incorporate him into the body into thy holy church, and humbly we beseech thee to grant that he, being dead unto sin, may live unto righteousness, and being buried with Christ in his death, may also be partakers of his resurrection. So there's something moving forward that has to be done. And we receive this child into the congregation of Christ's flock, do sign him with the sign of the cross, and token that hereafter he shall not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified. And manfully to fight under his banner against sin, the world, and the devil, and to continue Christ's faithful soldier and servant unto his life's end. There is work to be done after our baptism. Baptism baptism is just the beginning of the work. It's just the beginning of the Christian life. So you see, sin, as we continue to commit it, has this tendency to break our relationship with God, to make things muddy. And this purgation, illumination, and union, this call and this walking through this cycle is the way that we keep moving forward and what many would call sanctification. So we see this reality for Oliver this morning and by extension to each of us at our baptism. But I'm afraid we don't see very clearly in the church in the West Perhaps the biggest problem with this course of treatment is that in the West, no one seems to know that it is available. No one's writing prescriptions, apparently. We're all pretty clueless in the Western church, particularly in America. We don't, let's be honest, half the time seem to understand in the American church that we are even sick. This understanding of our spiritual journey, this understanding of how to be healed, this understanding of the course of treatment to be followed, used to be very common in the West. We must make it so again. 
We must make it a common understanding of our own spiritual journey for ourselves and for our families and our church communities. Trinity season is really about growth. We have followed the life of Christ through, throughout the church year up to this point. We started in Advent with the anticipation of the birth of the Christ child at Christmas and have been following the incarnation, ministry, passion, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ since that time. We now turn in our church season to the growth of the church and to the growth of the individual people who make up the church. As so many of you know, the lectionary readings appointed for the Sundays in Trinity mark this threefold way of the pursuit of God. The first seven Sundays follow the theme of purgation, the next seven Sundays, the theme of illumination, the third seven Sundays, the theme of union with Christ. And as the Sundays go by during the summer, we also follow a pattern of the seven deadly sins. Don't ignore these themes, please, this summer. Follow the pattern. Pay attention. Be about your growth and maturity in Christ. With that commendation in mind, I would like us to look briefly at our epistle lesson this morning. Father Blunt says this, In the epistle, St. John shows that God's own love for mankind is the source and spring of all love towards him. And that all true love towards him is shown by the evidence of charity, of love. True love towards God is shown by the evidence of charity. The good, excuse me, the Greek word for this love, of course, is agape. And it means essentially self-sacrifice. Putting the good of another before you and your interests, your desires, even your own good. In a certain way, the whole first half and a bit more of the church year has been about showing forth the doctrine of God and his love towards us, all in the person of his Son. Our epistle lesson summarizes that reality in this way. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Trinity season presents us with the question of how we are going to respond to that love. St. John speaks of our imperfect love of God, and we see this by seeing our imperfect love of our neighbor. The season of Trinity, says Father David Phillips, is about perfecting that love which is the antithesis of hate. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. From the Proverbs, whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, 
his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. We pray and hope as repenting Christians to understand the last line of that proverb to read, his wickedness will be not just exposed, but healed in the assembly, the church. The healing is all about the presence of God within us, isn't it? We cannot heal ourselves. Many of us have tried. It doesn't work. Though we can repent and we can pull down the stubborn walls of pride. God, however, is the ultimate healer. Jesus is the great physician. We've just recently celebrated Whitson Week. Let us For sure, at this point, not forget what that great feast day is all about. We have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that is the power of God. It is the great physician spirit who abides with and in us. St. John reminds us this morning, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Make no mistake. If you put your hand up to the Holy Spirit, God will listen. I think he's going to dog you. He's going to drag at your heels for the rest of your life. But if we want to say no thanks God... That's the freedom he's given us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The whole season of Trinity is about this reality. May we remember that we have the Spirit of God in us just as surely as little Oliver was given that same gift this morning. We all have the power in us to live a life of love. We come to the Holy Scriptures And we come to the table of God to find mercy and to be strengthened. Let us go out into the world to be the love of Jesus to our neighbor and to our communities. That they may see the face of God in the face of Jesus, in the face of his people. Amen.